Special note, Spanish translators needed. This is truly an opportunity of a lifetime for those who desire to make a huge impact on the kingdom of God, even an effort that encompasses the globe. The work will be laborious and will require a steadfast commitment to the cross of Christ. Your efforts will attract ridicule and even possible persecution. Payment for your labors will be measured in eternal souls. At God said, man said, no one is paid in earthly revenue. God said, man said, need Spanish translators. The plan is to translate 100 core God said, man said features into Spanish and to launch the new Spanish site with a major advertising campaign in Mexico City, as well as Central and South America. We intend to reach millions of souls for Christ. After the initial 100 features, we will need at least two additional features translated into Spanish each week. The current weekly webcast as well as a second from a select group of features on the God Said, Man Said website. If you sense God is leading you to participate in this major undertaking, email your interest and various qualifications to GodSaidManSaid at gmail.com with the subject of Spanish Translator. Hope to see you on the front lines. The day you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you had a tremendous IQ surge. As you continue to follow the Lord and His Word, your IQ continues to grow, evidenced in the things the born-again do and don't do. The blood-bought no longer booze and dope themselves to death, or lust and hate themselves to death. Neither are they filled with covetousness and hateful acrimony, but instead follow God's laws and precepts, which are filled with love, grace, and eternal benefits. Now that's real smart. Psalms 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalms 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. Have you been born again? Born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Are you yearning for a new forgiven life? Are you yearning for the power to overcome your bondages and for a new beginning filled with real purpose and eternal promise? Turn to Christ today for an instant IQ surge where the downloading of the revelation begins. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 3, 14 and 15, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God said, Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. God said, Revelation 20, 1 through 3, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. 
And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Man said, There was no Adam and Eve, nor a garden of Eden. Neither was there a Satan possessing a serpent, etc. All Bible believers hogwash. Now the record. This feature addresses the curse that befell the serpent because of the part it played in the fall of man. Satan chose to possess the serpent to deceive Grandmother Eve. Not only has God cursed the serpent anatomically, but this satanic brand has become ubiquitous, infiltrating every stratum of society. Satan and the serpent are central players to all that befalls the sons of Adam. We see Satan and his minions from nearly the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 to the final judgment in Revelation chapter 20, and that's the end of him. Much of the world worships the serpent devil or pays homage to him in various forms. Consider the following excerpts from God Said, Man Said, The Saga of the Serpent, Part 2. The Satan serpent is everywhere, especially dominant in anti-Christian societies. Quotes from various sources follow. Source, wikipedia.org, snake worship. Over a large part of India, there are carved representations of cobras or nagas or stones as substitutes. To these, human food and flowers are offered and lights are burned before the shrines. Among some South Indian, a cobra, which is accidentally killed, is burned like a human being. No one would kill one intentionally. The serpent god's image is carried in an annual procession by a celibate priestess, end of quote. Source, english.omynews.com. Hindus worship snake god on July 30. On Nag Puja, snake worship day, also known as Nag Punjiam, on July 30, doors of many houses are decorated by a poster of Nag, the snake god. Today, the poster of Nag is worshipped with vermilion powder, flour, sacred grass, and pasted in the door with cow dung, not by glue. Cow dung is considered as pure, unlike paste. The poster is then splashed with cow's milk because milk is the food of snakes. In the crown of Buddha, we can see the design of Nag. This evidence shows that Nag is worshipped as God. On this day, all Hindus clean their house and splash cow urine, holy water, all around the house. Then the poster of Nag is pasted first at the top of the main door and the other doors of the room also, end of quote. The great dragon, the old serpent, is everywhere, and the following list is not exhaustive. Hindu and Buddhist populations, India, China, Cambodia, Greece, Europe— Africa, Australia, Native Americans, Nordic mythology, end of quotes. The Satan serpent may be a lot closer than one would think. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, the saga of the serpent, part three. Jesus healed the sick and sent forth his servants to do the same in his name. He prescribes the supernatural healing formula in James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, 
they shall be forgiven him. Jesus says in Mark sixteen seventeen and 18, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The Bible does not stand in harsh opposition to the true healing sciences. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But on the other hand, the Word of God does seriously promote supernatural healing through faith in Christ Jesus. God's Word prescribes faith healing. Originating from the wicked spirit of Pergamos, where Satan's seat was located, where he ruled as the man instructing serpent and savior and healer, came many startling things. You have surely seen the caduceus, for it is one of the medical industry's prominent emblems. It is the symbol of the winged rod wrapped about by two snakes. The following excerpt is from an article titled The Symbols of Medicine by D. Nichols on the web at www.internet. The caduceus began as the magical rod of the Greek messenger god Hermes or the Roman god Mercury. More than a messenger, though, Hermes was a diplomat and an ambassador and was often believed to be a bringer of peace. In fact, the Romans used the caduceus as a symbol of peace and described the myth in which Hermes threw his rod between two fighting snakes and stopped their battle, at which point they wrapped themselves around the wand. This ability to bring harmony out of hostility is one of the admirable traits of Hermes, and it aided the god's reputation as a persuasive orator and bringer of good fortune. Hermes, however, was also known as the deity of wealth and commerce, two areas which were recognized as involving a certain degree of dishonesty. In fact, many of Hermes' deeds earned him a reputation as a crafty and promiscuous trickster, and it was because of this that he was honored as the patron of thieves. The association of physicians with thievery through the adoption of Hermes Caduceus as a medical symbol is undoubtedly undesirable, and only those cynics who uh, accuse physicians of excessive interest in making money may find it appropriate. Unfortunately, there is one final significance of the caduceus that should appeal to no one and is horrifying when connected to the medical profession, for it was the duty of Hermes, uh, caduceus in hand, to lead the souls of the dead to the underworld, end of quote. Of course, the underworld is hell. A second and similar issue out of Satan's seat is the most prominent of medicine's emblems, which is the staff of Asculapius, which you have seen as the serpent-entwined staff, again from the symbols of medicine. It is Asculapius who then became the god of medicine, and it is his staff which properly represents the physician. Despite the mythical story of his birth, Asculapius was mentioned in the writings of Homer as a mortal physician hero who performed miraculous acts of healing on the battlefield. Later, although the application and selection process was not clearly defined, Asculapius was awarded a divine rank as the god of medicine. His descendants and other followers of his teachings worshipped their new god and formed the cult of Asclepios. The cult spread throughout the Mediterranean by the 4th century B.C. Uh, over 300 Asculapian temples served as medical centers equally devoted to healing as to the worship of their god. 
Hippocrates himself, the embodiment of the ideal physician, was educated as a member of the 20th generation of the cult of Asculapius, end of quote. Consider Pergamus and Asclepios Soter, the man-instructing serpent and savior and healer. Is the picture beginning to form? When it comes to faith in God concerning the well-being of their flesh, multitudes have traded in their Jesus for doctors. If Jesus said, by his stripes ye were healed, but then the doctor says you have 60 days to live, the weak in faith are calling the undertaker. It reminds me of the gospel song that says, whose report will you believe? The retort is supposed to be, I will believe the report of the Lord. Many can quote their medical stats, such as blood pressure, cholesterol levels, etc., but can't quote Romans 10.17. For many, without exaggeration, the doctor has become their God. When you do find yourself shopping for a doctor, find one who rejects the spirit of Pergamos and who embraces the spirit of Christ, like Luke, the beloved physician. I personally am not opposed to the good doctors and applaud their services to humanity, but I find the miracle of the prayer of faith much more appealing. End of quote. In the camp of the redeemed, God and his word are the answer to all of life's questions. How we began to be, how we got to the state we're in, why we are here, and where we are going. Evolution is the major God of the lost. It also answers all the questions above. Can we find the old dragon in their camp on prominent display? Evil is everywhere with the sons of Adam as a matter of inheritance, but it is soon to be annihilated. Satan chooses the serpent as his ensign, and the serpent is woven in the most intricate way into every aspect of society. Keep in mind that until the mid excuse me, until the mid 1880s, when the word dinosaur, which means terrible lizard, was coined, these creatures were known as dragons, behemoth, and leviathan. Consider the following paragraphs from God Said, Man Said, Dragons, Dinosaurs, and the Devil, Part 2. You can be confident of this one thing. No academic or spiritual discovery has ever controverted the word of God. Never. Stand fast. The intricacies of Satan's spider web by which the souls of men are snared are beyond impressive. Yet most of the time, his deceptions are hidden in plain view. Let's take a more in-depth look at one colossal satanic snare that's hidden in plain view. When one arrives at the house of faith, he or she is greeted by the word of God and his Christ. When one arrives at the cathedrals, museums, of the anti-Bible people, he or she is created by a dinosaur, a dragon, their Goliath, a symbol of evolution's organized rebellion against the credibility of God and his Bible. Should it then be any surprise to you that Satan, the enemy of the cross of Christ, is known as the old serpent and great dragon? Revelation 21 through 3, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. At our house of worship, we meet Jesus Christ and the God of the Bible. At Evolution's house of worship, their universities and museums, 
they meet the dragon, Tyrannosaurus Rex, and his companions. End of quote. The greeter, the ensign of the local museum, their Goliath, has been toppled over and over and over again, but they continue to prop him back up. They must cling. The serpent continues to challenge. End of quote. The snake and his reptilian relatives are everywhere. The serpent was originally chosen by Satan as his ensign and his vehicle of deception for one very good reason. Genesis verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 says of the serpent, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. The curse that fell upon the serpent, as recorded in Genesis 3, has been roundly ridiculed by the ignorant, but paleontology has discovered some major anatomical anomalies. Excerpts from the God Said Man Said feature snake on legs. They just keep on coming. Follow. Over 30 years ago, God Said Man Said published its first feature concerning the snake and its legs, which we updated with new confirming discoveries in 2006. A friend of God Said Man Said, Brother Robert, forwarded some of the latest discoveries concerning the snake legs saga published in July of 2015, suggesting that we update. Several paragraphs follow from the God Said Man Said feature snakehead legs. In the midst of the Garden of Eden, the paradise God made for Adam and Eve were two trees. One tree was called the tree of life, and the other was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God's commandment to our great-grandfather Adam was as follows, Genesis two sixteen and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And Genesis 3, uh, verse, uh, verses 1 through 6, Satan takes on the form of the serpent and convinces Eve that God is a liar. In an act of unbelief and disobedience, she eats the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She also gives it to her husband to eat. That very day, they both died to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, even though they lived on in the flesh for many years. They died the second death first. That was the day the law of sin and death began to reign upon the earth, a concept known in science as the second law of thermodynamics. Because of the evil that transpired, God's judgment fell on all of creation. Of the serpent specifically, God cursed it and said that it shall crawl on its belly, eating the dust all the days of its life. Of its life. It shall bruise man's heel while man bruises its head. It fully appears that the snake, a serpent that crawls on its belly, once had legs. In Archaeology and Bible History, author J.P. Free writes concerning the temptation seals unearthed in the 1930s. The seal was discovered at a level antedating to, uh, 3000 B.C., or approximately 1,500 years before the first five books of the Bible were written. The seal depicts a tree with a man to the right. To the left of the tree is a woman plucking fruit with a serpent behind her standing erect. And the Babylonian epic of Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh is directed to the plan of life, which can be found at the bottom of the sea. Gilgamesh finds it, only to have it stolen by a serpent. Famed historian Flavius Josephus in the Antiquities of the Jews reviews and reports on the ancient records of the Hebrew people and of historians considered ancient in his time. Josephus lived and wrote just about the time of Christ. 
concerning the serpent in the Garden of Eden and God's punishment of it, he wrote, Besides this, he inserted poison under his tongue and made him an enemy to men and suggested to them that they should direct their strokes against his head, that being the place wherein lay his mischievous designs towards men, and it being the easiest to take vengeance on him that way. And when he had deprived him of the use of his feet, he made him go rolling all along and dragging himself upon the ground. End of quote. Science and academia now support the idea of a snake with legs. Through biological examination, John Crompton, an evolutionist and snake authority who authored the book Snake Lore, discovered that at one time, the snake that crawls upon its belly once had legs. As a matter of fact, at this present time, the snake has not completely gotten rid of its legs. Tiny vestigials remain of what were once legs and are found in the bodies of many snakes. Crompton's record, record excuse me, is supported by Claus Griel's book Snakes. Griel points out that primitive snakes such as boas and pythons still show vestigial pelvic bones and anal spurs that represent the remnants of hind legs. From the October 11, 1997 edition of the International Jerusalem Post is the following excerpt. A midrash about Adam and Eve now has scientific support. Hebrew University researchers have found evidence that prehistoric snakes had tiny legs. According to Jewish tradition, the snake that tempted Eve to disobey God was punished by being forced to crawl on its belly forever. The researchers also concluded from a close re-examination of snake fossils that they originated in the sea rather than underground. A team from the Silberman Institute of Life Sciences, headed by Professor Eitan Zhernoff, found that the fossils had two small, anatomically complete hind legs. Chernoff will represent his findings this month at the International Conference of the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology in Chicago. Could Genesis be accurate? The latest discovery concerning the snake and its legs is making the news once again. The headline in the National Geographic, July 23, 2015 release reads, Phenomena, not exactly rocket science. A few paragraphs follow. Snakes can famously disarticulate their jaws and open their mouths to extreme widths. David Martill from the University of Portsmouth did his best impression of this trick while walking through the Bergenmeister uh, Mueller Museum in Solfenfen, Germany. He was pointing out the museum's fossils to a group of students, and then my jaw dropped, he recalls. He saw a little specimen with a long, sinuous body, packed with ribs and 15 centimeters from nose to tail. It looked like a snake, but it was stuck in an unusual rock with the distinctive characteristics of the Brazilian cradle formation, a fossil site that dates to the early Cretaceous period. Snake fossils had been found in that period, but never that location, and in South America, but never that early. The combination of place and time was unusual. And then, if my jaw hadn't already dropped enough, it dropped right to the floor, says Martill. The little creature had a pair of hind legs. I thought, bloody hell. And I looked closer, and the little label said, unknown fossil. Understatement. Fox News headline, July 24, 2015. Unexpected step. Snake ancestor had four feet. A paragraph follows. The oldest snake fossil on record looks almost like a modern snake, except for one glaring difference. It has four feet, 
each with five digits, a new study finds. Finally, from Inquisitor.com. Fully developed snake feet have been found on the oldest snake fossil, a discovery which is said to have been unexpected and stunning to science. But some creationists are already taking those snake legs and running with them, saying the discovery proves the Bible's claim about snakes in the Garden of Eden. For decades, skeptics questioned the biblical account. But when it comes to the snake, the only evolution there is, is the evolving view of the evolutionist. No one can deny the biblical account, snakes had legs. According to them, the legs disappeared as a result of natural selection, while the Bible says these legs disappeared because God cursed this creature for being possessed by Satan when he deceived Eve, end of quote. God's word is true and righteous altogether. This is a place to build a life that will last forever. God's curse upon the serpent was to eat and lick dirt. The article from the September 1988 issue of Creation Magazine headlined it with Snakes Do Eat Dust, Carl Whelan writes. In Genesis 3.14 we read, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Since snakes do not really appear to eat dust, this has been taken as an example of either obvious metaphor, which seems reasonable, or an example of the Bible's propensity to error depending upon one's bias. In Micah chapter 7, verse 17, we read, They shall lick the dust like a serpent. Once again, we have the situation where as more information has come to light, the Bible has been shown to not only be accurate, but accurate in minute detail. Snakes do deliberately and purposely eat and lick dust. There is an organ in the roof of a snake's mouth called the Jacobson organ. This helps the snake to smell in addition to its nose. Its darting forked tongue samples bits of dust by picking them up on the points of the fork, which it then presents to its matching pair of sensory organs inside its mouth. Once it has smelt them in this way, the tongue must be clean so the process can be repeated immediately. Therefore, serpents really do lick dust and eat it. End of quote. The snake is everywhere. He's just hiding in plain view. God's word is true and righteous altogether and all the time. Miracles and all. Embrace the beautiful book. Revelation 19.13 And his name is called the Word of God. God said, Genesis three fourteen and 15, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God said, Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. God said, Revelation 21 through 3, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. 
and after that he must be loosed a little season. Man said, There was no Adam and Eve, nor Garden of Eden, neither was there a serpent possessing a serpent, etc. All Bible believers hogwash. Now you have the record.